Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Amen. Thank you guys so much. What a wonderful reminder of a great, great God that we serve. If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And since Andy just uh, prayed for us, we're going to jump right in. You know, summertime is a time of refreshing for many. Amen. In fact, if you look around, you'll notice a lot of our families are away on vacation. Uh, they're traveling, they're going fishing, they're sitting in creeks and getting wet and splashing and frolicking in the sun while we are here laboring. I'm just teasing. Darren's looking at me like he felt like that was a jab at him. No, I, it's, it's incredibly important that you get away, right? And have a great time of refreshing. In fact, summertime is not only a time for refreshing and vacations. It's a time to get together with family. It's a time to enjoy the beauty of God's creation. And on and on the list goes. And so I thought, you know, it feels like a great season as well for each and every one of us to be encouraged. <laughs> Anybody out there? Are we playing hide-and-seek this morning? I feel like it's a great season, man. Summertime's a great season for us to be encouraged. Let me ask a question. Who needs to be encouraged today? Everybody in this room needs it. Even the ones who say, I shall not be moved. I'm not going to raise my hand. You need to be encouraged today. Therefore, over the next six weeks... You say, I thought you said I only need to be encouraged today. Over the next six weeks, I pray that this series, this new series that we're going to start today will be an encouragement to you. Now, next Sunday, I do want to make that with a disclaimer. Next Sunday, we're going to have Mike and Jill Ivey, our missionaries to Jeju Island, uh, South Korea. They will be with us, and so I encourage you to be here. Listen, 9 o'clock, we'll be back in the gymnasium. We'll have... Donuts, bagels, coffee, fruit, all that kind of stuff, juice. Um, we'll get together and hear about what's been going on in uh, South Korea. But also they will be with us uh, during the worship service. So plan for that. But aside from that, we're going to take over the next several weeks and we're going to be considering some of the truths really that we find probably in one of the most recognized and most beloved psalms of all, and that is Psalm 23. And so uh, we begin a new series this morning. Look with me in Psalm 23. And notice in verse number 1, David writing, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, Right? He, look at verse 3, he says, He restores my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He goes on and he says, Thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And then he says in verse number 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy 
shall follow me all the days of my life. And notice how he ends and he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, the Lord has used this psalm throughout the ages, down through the so-called corridors of time. He has used this to bring fresh strength to bring hope and comfort and to encourage his people. And my prayer is that coming off of the Family Matters series that we'll just dive right into this new series on Psalm 23, encouragement, encouragement from the shepherd. Because we all need encouraging. And so we look to this and I pray God will bless as he has in the past. And like every passage of Scripture, Psalm 23 literally points us to Jesus Christ. If you didn't know that, hear that to me, hear that with me this morning. Psalm 23 literally points us to Jesus Christ. And if you notice back in the Psalm from his very use, you know, we live in a day and age where everybody wants to use personal pronouns. And I always love that when we get to Scripture. And so if you look at the use of personal pronouns, even in Psalm 23, it's abundantly clear that David is saying, listen, this is a very personal. The Lord, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. It's a very personal experience. And so uh, David says, Psalm 23 is all about what God was doing in his life, what he had done and what he was doing in his life. Notice in verse 1, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. See, it's all about what he's doing. In fact, if you go over to the New Testament in John chapter 10 and verse number 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Again, it's all about what God is doing for you and for me. And that's good news. Because let's be honest, we live in a day and age. We live in a day and age where our lives sometimes are, 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 are so dominated by things like worry. Dominated by stress. Anybody got stress in their life? Nobody, right? We live in Northern Virginia, one of the stress, most stressful places in the country. It's really, it, it's, like a, it's like a slow cooker of stress <laughs> turned on high. We live, in a, we live in a day and age of stress and worry and fear. And although people tend to fear, they, most people have a fear of this or they have a fear of that. The amazing news of Psalm 23 is that if you and I are followers of Jesus Christ, if you and I are believers in the Lord, we belong to him. And if we belong to him, then everything that David said in Psalm 23 is for you and for me. That's good news, right? David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's for you. There's no need to want. There's no need to, to want anything other than the shepherd because with Jesus, you get it all. And by the way, I've jumped way ahead in my message. And some of you are thinking it's almost time for me to wrap up. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, it may seem strange, this talk of a shepherd, this talk of sheep. It may, be, it may see, seem strange to those of us who have lived around Northern Virginia and D.C. And by the way, I get it. Some of y'all live out in the country. You say Fauquier County. But can I just be real nice? You don't know what country is. We live too close to... We're, 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 we're what they classify as suburbanites. Right? Whether you lived in a city or you live in the, in the suburbs... Listen... Uh, when you start seeing verbiage that talks about sheep and shepherd, a lot of people are like, man, this is just strange to me. 
Why is the Lord a shepherd? Why am I, why do, why am I referred to as a sheep? Aren't sheep dumb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you picking up what God's laying down? <laughs> it's like, man, that's rough. Why does he call us sheep? Oh, there's a point to be made. But I can assure you that even if you have never seen a flock of sheep, even if you've never been around a flock of sheep, you've never studied sheep, or to be honest, if you don't even know anything about a shepherd, I can assure you that when you read Psalm 23, when you glean the truths from Psalm 23, you're going to get a clear picture. You're going to get a real vivid picture of what a shepherd is and what a shepherd does. And so today, if you're a note taker, look with me beginning in verse number one. David makes a declaration here, and here it is. Number one, the shepherd owns the sheep. You say, man, are these going to be like deep thought, theological truths? No. No. We're keeping the cookies right down where everybody can get one. Number one, the shepherd owns the sheep. Again, look, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. So in other words, David's saying, I belong to the Lord, and the Lord owns everything, and thus he owns me because I'm one of his sheep. And so he owns me. In the New Testament, when speaking about his sheep, Jesus said this in John 10, in verse 28, he said, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. By the way, when someone says, they, they shall not perish, and no one can pluck them out of my hand, that is an indication of ownership. You're not getting this out of my hand, Jesus says. That's good news. Oh, that's encouraging to me. Because you know what? There are a lot of people. There are a lot of, listen, you know the devil walks about seeking whom he made of our? If he could, he would. You getting that? If he could, he would. If he could pluck you out of the Father's hand, if he could pluck you out of Jesus' hand, he would do it. But to no avail. Because when the Lord is your shepherd, when the Lord is your shepherd, he owns, he's in charge, he owns you. And so because the shepherd owns the sheep, look at verse number two. Not only, see, the shepherd owns the sheep, therefore the shepherd leads the sheep. Verse three, the shepherd restores the sheep. Verse four, the shepherd protects or guards the sheep. Verse number five, he sustains or he feeds the sheep. You know, when I was in the military, they give us a basic allowance for subsistence. With Jesus, I don't need anybody's allowance, I get it all. Right? I'm getting the BAQ, the BAS, all of my military guys, their ears perked up. They woke up. They said, oh, he's talking to me. You know, with Jesus, we get it all because he feeds us. But you know, above all, the last verse says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. You remember that song? Oh, we need to sing songs like that. Oh, these are the things that a shepherd does. And these are the things that, that the Bible says and David says that God was doing and that he had done in his life. And as we make our way through this psalm, we have to remember that every promise, every promise of this passage hangs on the power of this very first statement. And that was what David said. The Lord is my shepherd, period. It hangs on it. And it hangs on it for us. And I want this to be an encouraging series. But you got to understand, if the shepherd owns the sheep, if the shepherd owns everything, and the shepherd leads and he guides and he restores and he protects and he feeds and, and he loves us, the reality is if you are not a sheep, you don't have those promises. 
That's not for me. That's just from God's word. He leads his sheep. He guides and guards his sheep. He protects his sheep. He sustains and he feeds his sheep. And he loves his sheep so that goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their life. And they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's no one that can pluck us out of the Father's hand. Oh, it's so incredibly important. David is essentially saying, I believe in God. I believe that God cares. And I believe that God cares for me. And he cares for you as sheep. By the way, David knew what it was like to be a shepherd. You remember? He knew all about being a shepherd. He knew what it took to do the job. And you say, yeah, I remember. You know, Samuel was sent down to Jesse's house to find the next king. And he looked, he looked on the oldest son. And, and God said, no, he looked on the next son and the next son and the next son. And he went through all the boys of the house. And he said, no, 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 no. Samuel's like, what, what am I doing? He said, I got one more boy out in the field. He's guarding the sheep. But he's not him. Bring him in. Here comes little David. He comes in. And as soon as he comes in, God says, that's him. That's him. But see, David knew what it was like to guard sheep. He knew what it was like to be a shepherd. It wasn't an easy job. It wasn't a job for the faint of heart. It was a dangerous job. And you remember... The, the, the conflict is going on uh, between the Israelites and, and Goliath. You remember? And Jesse sends David out to the battlefield. And does anybody remember? He sends David out with food. He sends him out with some food for his brothers. He says, hey, listen, go check and see how the battle's going. And David gets out there and he hears that Goliath is, def is literally defying the armies of God. And he says, what are you jokers doing? Is there not a cause? God's honor is at stake. Somebody needs to go and fight this, this, this champion of Gath. David the shepherd says, I'll go and do it. And you remember what happens <clears throat> when King Saul hears that David says he's going to do it. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17. King Saul tells David, he says, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him for you're but a youth. And he's a man of war from his youth. The translation of what he was saying is, hey, hey David. Goliath has been doing this a long time. He will kill you. Anybody remember what David's response was? His next response was not, I'm stronger. My God's strong. You know what his next response was in verse 34? He said, thy servant kept his father's sheep. He said, I know all about danger. I know all about danger, Saul. Let me tell you. Going to fight that giant is nothing. Because you see there was a lion and there was a bear. And they came and they grabbed one of the, one of the lambs out of the flock. And I, told, I, 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 I didn't know what they were thinking because they knew they were about to, to meet their maker. Because I took them and I killed. I slew both of them. I, I, listen, fighting Goliath is nothing. He, he says this, he says, I took him out because a lamb's life was at stake. And he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to take Goliath out because God's honor is at stake. He said, I know what being a shepherd's all about. So I'm not afraid of a battle. He said, so listen, let me go. And you know the rest of the story. You fast forward in time and, 
He's writing this psalm here in Psalm 23, and we see that David's actually celebrating the kind of care that God gives to his sheep. And you think about it, David's dealt with the realities of life. He knew what it was like to have enemies hunt him down. You remember this throughout his life. He not only knew what it was like to have his enemies hunt him down, he knew what it was like to have one of his own sons hate him and hunt him down. He knew about failure. We can read all about that. He knew about fear. He knew what it felt like to be disappointed and discouraged and exhausted at times. And I don't know about you, but there's no doubt that you and I have all experienced our own difficulties, seasons of discouragement and despair. And there's no denying that more than likely we have all faced our own so-called enemies. Anybody facing an enemy today? Listen, I'm telling you, the world, the flesh, and the devil are out there. We failed at times. Anybody failed in this life? Only me. Sometimes it's hard to deal. Let's just be honest. Anybody ever had any fear? You know, they created shows years ago, and the, the caption on it was fear factor. It was, it was fear is not a factor for me. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And then they pull out a little cockroach and tell them to eat it. And make grown men run. Guys, we've all faced our own fears and despair and discouragement and the harsh realities of life. Oh, we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd that cares for us. Listen, there's coming a day, as the psalmist said, there's coming a day when every one of us will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But you know, when you have the shepherd, there's no need to fear that valley. There's no need to fear what's coming your way because as believers, Psalm 23 is for all of us. Not only does the Lord own the sheep, secondly, here it is, the Lord is the shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd of the sheep. You say, well, that sounds simple enough. Well, look back at verse number one. Notice David reminds us who the shepherd is. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not a Lord, little L. He says, the Lord. And this is pretty important because at this time, the Egyptians had about 360, count them, 360 primary gods, little g. And the Canaanites, by the way, don't leave the Canaanites out. The Canaanites in whose land the Israelites dwelled at that time, they had many, many little g gods. And so for David to say, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is my shepherd, I shall not want, was a pretty big deal. Because he, he knew that there was only one God, and that was the Lord God, the shepherd of his soul. Look at verse 1. Look back at this statement here. Because I want you to see, notice the word Lord in verse 1 literally comes from the Hebrew word Yehovah. We say Jehovah, but Yehovah is where it comes from, and it literally means the self-existent or eternal the name refers to God's sovereignty as our eternal God and King. That word sovereignty means that God has dominion and rule over his creation. If he created it, he's in charge of it. Do we agree with that? If he created it, he's in charge of it. If he created it, he owns it. That includes us. And while, see, you know what we do? Like, I was thinking about this even when I put this in my notes the other day. I said, there's going to be people, as soon as I say the Lord owns the sheep, they're going to, we bristle back. We don't, like, we don't like the thought of anybody owning me. No, no, pastor, nobody owns me. I do what I want. Okay. 
All right, see how that works out for you. You can do what you want to an extent. And then the Lord takes over. I don't know who we're fooling. But see, we get this, we bristle back when, when we say that the Lord owns the sheep and by inference, he owns us. Listen, I breathe, I have my being, I'm clothed, I'm fed, I have a place to lay down at night, I have a ministry that I can serve in because the Lord says I can. Period. That's it. And we got to get it. And David knew this. He said, secondly, the Lord is the shepherd. Look, the other word, look there, the Lord is my shepherd. The word is is pointing to God's eternality and his immutability. The word immutability is a big, fancy, long word that literally just simply means that God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. The Lord is. He's unchanging. David says he's an unchanging Lord, and not only is he unchanging, but you see the word my, which brings in that personal aspect. He says he's my very personal Lord, and then he says not only is he my Lord, but he says he's my shepherd. He says he's the Lord, he's the one who is responsible for every care or every need that I have. I don't know about you, that's encouraging to me, to know that I am owned to know that I am owned by a loving God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm owned by a God who not only loves me, but he leads me, he restores me, he guards me, he protects me, he sustains and feeds me, and he loves me. And one day, by his amazing, marvelous, miraculous grace, I will see him face to face just as he is. But I imagine I'll be hitting the deck along with a whole host of others. What a great God we serve. What a great shepherd we serve. It was the British theologian and pastor Colin Smith. Here's what he said. He said, the quality of life enjoyed by any flock of sheep depends entirely on their shepherd. When we were in Tanzania, years ago we went to Tanzania to visit our missionary there. And there were little four and five year old boys out in the field, shepherding the flock. And I was like, I, I, literally, we, your mind can't comprehend it because moms and dads, we're not letting our four-year-old, five-year-old son or daughter out of our sight to go into the fields, into the wilderness to, to shepherd these flocks. And yet there they were, these little boys, walking down the road with cattle and sheep and all kind of animals and I was mesmerized at the danger that was given to these little children. And yet, as we were told, as we were shared, the reality is that they go out in the morning and then they come back at night. This goes on and on each and every day. Oh, we have a Lord who watches over us. He is the good shepherd. Ironically, God's word gives us some harrowing examples of this idea of shepherding sheep all throughout the Old Testament. As we know, God appointed prophets, priests, and kings to shepherd his flock. But if you do a research paper or you do some study in the Old Testament, you realize that these prophets and these priests and these kings, they really didn't do a good job, right? They didn't do a good job. And so uh, anybody ever uh, have an employee that works for you and they haven't done a really good job? You give them a little bit of what they call a job review. Anybody? 
Or maybe you've been the employee who's had a job review a time or two. Hopefully they've all turned out really good, right? Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 34. That's, that, by the way, Ezekiel sandwiched between Lamentations and Daniel. And in my Bible, you're going to find where we're going in page 561. If you have a Bible that is just like mine, it'll be on 561. Ezekiel 34. Notice with me. Because here we find God giving a review of the job that these prophets, priests, and kings were doing uh, in, in shepherding the flock. And I won't stay here long, but I want you to see this. Look at verse number 1 and verse number 2. In fact, let me get over there before I do it. Verse number 1 and verse number 2. Ezekiel 34, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Well, why are we going to prophesy against the shepherds of Israel? Look at verse number 3. It tells us. It tells us because they were not feeding the flock. Drop down to verse number 4, because in verse number 4, the Lord continues by saying, The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you bought, brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty, with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. And so God's giving them a review of how these shepherds did. And in verse number 5, while referring to his sheep, God says this. It says that they were scattered. Now hold on to that thought. He says they were scattered and that they had become meat unto all the beasts of the field. That's what he says in verse number 5. But now drop down because you're going to see what God's going to do about it. Drop down to verse number 11. Because in verse number 11... Here's what the Bible says. For thus saith the Lord God. He says, behold, I. He said, even I will both search my sheep and seek them out. As the shepherd seek out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Verse number 13, and I will bring them out of the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers, that's important, and in all the inhabited places of the country. Verse number 14, he says, I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. They shall lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. Verse number 15, I will feed my flock. Notice my flock, the Lord says. And I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away. And I will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. In other words, God is saying here, I'm going to do what you earthly shepherds did not do and what really, to be honest, you could never do. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When Jesus came into the world, <laughs> yes, he came to seek and save that which was lost. But when Jesus came into the world, he became the living confirmation of what God was saying here in Ezekiel chapter 34. Truly, guys, the Jehovah, the Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament. And when we talk about Jehovah, we're pointing out and talking about his deity. And when we say shepherd, we're talking about his humanity. It was Adrian Rogers 
who once put it this way. He said, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have sovereignty and sympathy, a king and a shepherd. We have a God who is able and a shepherd who is available. We have a God in the heavens and a shepherd in our heart. Listen, the Lord is my shepherd is a pretty important promise. Amen. Is he your shepherd this morning? Is he the Lord of your life? Oh, I hope and I pray so. Scripture validates. Scripture validates this idea of Jesus. You say, well, hold on. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And now you're jumping a far way over here to Jesus in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. There's a connection. You say, well, where do you make the connection? Folks, do you know that even in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as shepherd on at least three occasions? On three separate occasions, he's referred. And on each occasion, the reference to him being a shepherd, the, the, the power of it, if you please, increases. In fact, he's known as the good shepherd. You think about when David's description to King Saul, he's telling him about the dangers and risks of being a shepherd. And he says, hey, listen, I even fought a lion and I even fought a bear to grab that, that little lamb out of the, the mouth and, and to save that lamb's life. And he was talking about, man, I know what battle's like. Even his words to King Saul about being a shepherd could not compare with the, what our Lord and Savior said in John 10, 11, because I'd only revealed a portion of it a moment ago. In John 10, 11, he says, I'm the good shepherd. But then he says, we, we get after the colon, right? We, we look at the parts of speech. We look at the grammar there, the colon. And I always say, ask the question, why? He says, I'm the good shepherd. Well, why are you the good shepherd? He says, because the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's why he's your good shepherd today. And if you continue reading in John chapter 10 and verse number 18, Jesus continues by saying, no man take it, taketh it from me. He says, but I lay it down myself. He's talking about laying down his own life. He says, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. Do you know that all authority is, has been given to Jesus in heaven and in earth? Do you know he's with us all way until the end of the earth? If the Lord's our shepherd, there's no need to want of anything. By the way, we think about the cross. Those nails did not hold Jesus to a cross. He laid his life down. It wasn't, it wasn't cruel man driving nails into his hands and into his feet that held him on the cross. It was his love and the Father's plan of redemption. The price that had to be paid because he loved us so much that held him to that cross. Oh, he's the good shepherd. But that's not all. He's also the great shepherd. He's not only good, but he's great. In fact, after talking about uh, our Lord's resurrection in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, the writer concludes in verse number 20 and 21 by saying, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect or mature in every good work to do his will, working in you that which was well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Listen, Isaiah says, All we like sheep have gone astray. There again, the reference of us being sheep. We've all gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. And the Bible says, and the Lord has laid on him, speaking of Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And you know what? We always read like verses 3, 4, 5, and 6 of Isaiah chapter 53. I would encourage you to keep reading. 
Because when you get to verse number 10, the Bible says it actually pleased. It actually pleased God. It actually pleased the Father to bruise him, to put his son there. Oh, listen, to be sure, Jesus' body was bruised when he was beaten and tormented and crucified and nailed to the cross. But his spirit, watch this, that's his body. But his spirit was bruised because of the sin of people and the wrath of his father. When the sins of the people and the wrath of his father was placed on him, it bruised his spirit. Oh, friends, the great shepherd of our soul, Jesus Christ the righteous, not only died for us, but he lives for us each and every day. And you say, where do you get that? Guys, if you can throw up Hebrews 13, verse 20 again. I just read it. If you missed it, in verse number 20, it says, Now the God of peace, watch it. I said he died for us, but he also lives for us, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is, talking about his resurrection. He is alive forevermore. And we could go to all kind of passages of Scripture to point that out. Oh, he's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. And because he lives, we shall also live. That's encouragement to me. And he's also the chief shepherd. Peter actually refers to Christ as the chief shepherd in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. Ironically, he refers to him as the chief shepherd after admonishing church leaders to feed the flock. After he, after he admonishes the earthly church leaders to feed the flock, he refers to Jesus as the chief shepherd. He's not only good, he's great. And he is uno number one. He is the chief shepherd of our souls. Oh, the God of peace brought him back. And since Jesus, the creator, owner, and sustainer of everything is our good and great and chief shepherd, we as his sheep have no need to want for anything. Because as I said earlier in that quote, the quality of life enjoyed by any flock of sheep depends in entirely, entirely on their shepherd. In an earthly sense, I was thinking about this, you know, sheep are in an earthly sense. We're talking about earthly sheep that you see and you're riding down the road and somebody in the car goes, sheep. In an earthly sense, just to make sure you're awake again, the earthly sense, sheep are either born, watch this, they're either born into that flock or they're either purchased, bought into that flock in an earthly sense. Spiritually speaking, both are true. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If the Lord is our shepherd, then we have been born again. Why? Because we have been purchased with a price. That's what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. He says this, he says, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Jesus backed up this in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Peter continues the barrage in 1 Peter 1 and verse 18 and 19, stating, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed or ransomed or bought with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conduct or conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Interestingly enough, Jesus here is also referred to as a lamb. And that's what John said when he saw Jesus come 
come and in John chapter 1 and verse 29, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Oh, listen, we have a shepherd. Oh, and because we have a shepherd who lives, we also can live. Oh, my friends, Jesus Christ has purchased and delivered us as newborn members or sheep into God's family. It's a great encouragement for me, and I hope for you too, to know that we have a shepherd who owns us. And because he owns everything, like David said, you and I can confidently say, I shall not want. I know that's easier said than done. Because marketing and advertisers are always working overtime. We have these little things that we carry around in our pockets and in purses and everything now. And the moment you open up some app or some form of communication, there's an ad on there. Marketing. Wanting you to buy something. Wanting you to have something. Promoting some way of life. Promoting this or that. Can I tell you that with Jesus, you already have it all? I'm not against having a nice house. I'm not against having a nice car, Michaela. Or she's upstairs, isn't she? Well, she'll listen to it later. I'm not against those things. But when it comes to important things, we have it all. We have it all. And we've let the world confuse us. And try to drive us away from the things that are important. But you know, Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, it says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Anything that you need, he's going to supply. And that's what Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse number 19 when he said, But my God shall supply all your need, not your greed, but all your need. According to his riches in Christ Jesus. Oh, folks, the message and reminder of Psalm 23 is that when the Lord is our shepherd, we have all that we need to live the abundant life that he desires for us. As I alluded to at the beginning of the message, the opposite is true. It's where the rubber meets the road. You see, without a shepherd, without a shepherd who lovingly leads without a shepherd who lovingly restores your life, without a shepherd who lovingly guards and protects, without a shepherd who sustains you and feeds you and loves you, this life is most miserable. It will be most miserable. Listen, I see a lot of people who look unhappy. I see a lot of people who look discouraged. I come across a lot of people who are fearful of this or fearful of that. But the reality is with Jesus, there's no need to fear. There's no need to be discouraged. There's no need to, 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 to feel like you don't have what you need. But without a shepherd, yes, life is most miserable. And I want to give you an illustration. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has been out teaching and, and whatnot and in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 36, Jesus looks on the multitudes. You remember this passage? He looks out on the multitudes. And the Bible says when he looked on the multitudes, when he looks on the people, the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. But the Bible also tells us why he was moved with compassion. 
It says, he was moved with compassion because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as what? As sheep having... He knew. He knew what David knew, right? He knew that without a shepherd to lead, to guard, to restore, to, to do all of these wonderful things, he knew that life would be most miserable. And so what I'm telling you today is, listen, if you don't have a relationship with the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, oh, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. As the word of God has been declared, Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As the word of God has been declared and the spirit of God has been moving where two or three are gathered in his name, the Lord said, I am there with them. Listen, as the spirit has drawn, as the word has been preached, if you don't have that relationship with the shepherd, oh, I beg you, I beg you, don't, don't, live, don't live a life without the shepherd. In fact, I don't know how anybody could live this life of discouragement and fear and on and on without a shepherd who lovingly leads. Oh, listen, David began by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he concluded by saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Let me ask a couple questions as I wrap this up. Is Jesus, is he present in your life? The shepherd that David was talking about? Is he, is he present in your life? Do you know him? Is he the shepherd of your life? Because he wants to be. He wants to be. He desires to be. He wants to have that intimate relationship with you. And that is what David was talking about. He said, I have a relationship with the Lord, the one true God, the living God, and I have no need of anything. I shall not want because with Jesus I get it all. And by the way, can I just say this? In John chapter 10, in verse 27, 28, and 29, Jesus says some significant things about this relationship between sheep and the shepherd. In verse number 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In other words, Jesus is saying it's a personal relationship. In verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Hold on. Jesus, who owns everything, watch it. He says, not me, not anybody else. He says, I give them eternal life. Where does eternal life come from? The shepherd who owns everything. Watch what he says. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It's not only a personal relationship, friends. It is a permanent relationship. And then he continues as if that isn't enough. I mean, personal and permanent, you got me. By the way, you probably had me at, at personal. But it's permanent. But then in verse 28, notice he says, My father, which gave them me, that means the father's involved, which gave them me is greater than who? All. All means all. And no man, he says, is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. It's not only a personal relationship, it's a permanent relationship. And because of the father who gave them to Jesus, we can be confident that it's a protected relationship. When you get the shepherd, you get it all. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, listen, if you don't have this with Jesus, I urge you. I urge you right now. Right where you're at, in your heart. Listen, we have a way of doing things in our own lives, and the Bible says they're not very good. Sometimes we do better than other times.
But there's a way which seems right unto man, and the ways thereof are the ways of death. If you don't know Jesus as the shepherd of your life, I'm begging you right now, turn away. Turn away from doing things your way. Turn away from the sin that plagues us all and turn towards the good, the great, and the chief shepherd of your soul. Listen, ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask the Lord to come into your life. Acknowledge him, not only as Lord, but listen, it's a great encouragement when you not only say Jesus is your Lord, but when you say Jesus is my shepherd, I shall not want. That makes a big difference in your life. And so listen, all I can tell you is the Bible tells us God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And here's the thing, here's the kicker. We usually stop at John 3, 16, but in verse number 17, guys, throw that up. For God sent not his son into the world to, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What does that tell me? That tells me that the shepherd who owns everything wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with me. And as crazy as that seems, he proved his desire. He proved his long-suffering. He proved his uh, supernatural power and all power by sending his son to ransom us, to purchase us, so that we might be born again, bought and born again into the flock. If you've never made that decision, can I beg you, don't walk out this door today. If you've never, if you've never, listen, if you've trusted Christ and you need to be baptized, you need to, you need to go public with your faith. You need to let somebody know that. Listen, the Bible says, whosoever will confess me before men, I will confess before my heavenly father. Whosoever will deny me before men, I will deny before my heavenly father. Listen, no matter what your need is, today is a great day. Because the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that as we begin a song of invitation, Lord, knowing that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, knowing that the wages of sin is death, but God, we celebrate the gift that you have given of eternal life through your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that if there's somebody here that has never trusted Christ, that they would simply call out upon the name of the Lord. The Bible tells us that if we'll do that, we could be saved. Romans 10 and 9 says that if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And the Bible goes on saying, for with the heart uh, uh, man believes unto righteousness and with mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so, Father, I pray that even in this very moment, there are people who are calling upon the name of the Lord. God, I pray for believers here that we would be strengthened in this wonderful encouragement that we'd, there's nothing that we need, nothing that we uh, would desire outside of Jesus. Lord, that because with Christ we get it all. Lord, thank you for loving us like that. Thank you for shepherding us like that. Thank you for doing what only you can do. God, we give you the praise and the honor for the decisions that will be made during this time of invitation. Lord, we give you the praise for it. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake, amen.